Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, and then this morning, Brother Eddie opened with a verse from Colossians, and I said, thank you, Holy Spirit, for confirmation that no matter how tired I am, I heard from you, and we're going to preach out of Colossians today. So tell your neighbor, get ready. Open your ears, open your hearts, get ready. God's got a word for you today. Amen. Christ is all that matters. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter. If you're a Jew, a Gentile, Filipino, Mexican, American, Asian, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, civilized, uncivilized, slave, a bond, addicted, or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Father, we thank you for the power of your spirit that opens our understanding to hear, to receive, to apply the word of God, which has the power to save our souls. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ is all that matters. I read the book of Colossians before I left for Peru, and I was just struck because the entire book is about Christ. And this saying, this phrase, Christ is all that matters, summarizes the book of Colossians really well. Now, there was a part of me this morning that said, maybe we'll just read the whole book of Colossians and I'll sit down and church will be over. (laughs) Christ is all that matters. But I'm going to handpick some scriptures because there is a word for us as a church in terms of where we're supposed to position ourselves in faith, in Christ, in standing on the firm foundation of Christ, and in living out what Christ is in the world. So he says, put on a new nature. Right? We are no longer the same that we used to be. Our old self is gone and we are now a new creation. Everybody say new. Now because we're a new creation, that means we've got to learn a new nature. That means that you and I, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, there begins a process of change where we don't act like we used to. We start to act more and more like Christ would want us to act. It's a progressive change. It's a little by little change. Amen? Aren't you glad that the moment you say yes to Jesus, he does not expect you to 100% act like Jesus? I'm glad. But the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God begins to do a work within us. And that's what it says. Put on your new nature. Be renewed. That means there's a process of being made new. In our spirit, we are new in Christ. But our flesh, our soul, our thoughts, our actions, they need to learn a new way of thinking, a new way of doing. And so we are renewed. How are you and I made new? As you learn to know your creator. The more you and I know Christ, really know him, walk with him, talk with him, study him. The more you and I know Christ, who in Colossians chapter 1 says is the exact representation of the invisible God the Father. The more we know Christ, the more we know God the Father, the more we become like him. So this gives us the key on how do we walk out the new life we're called to live as 
disciples of Jesus know Christ. It's a simple message, but one that I think we need to be reminded of. How well do you know Christ? How often do you think about Christ? How often do you study Christ? How often do you talk with Christ? How often do you spend time meditating upon the words of Christ? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the words of Christ. And so Christ is all that matters. If you and I could get this understanding, it would actually help us to be more effective in our walk with God. Because I'm not going to get distracted by, well, it's about how much ministry I do or, or how much of this I do or that I don't do. If I keep my focus on Christ, then as I know Christ, I become like Christ. So the secret of being new and walking in the new nature that we have in Christ is to know Christ. Can I tell you? There is more of Jesus than you know about. Okay, for those of you who've been married a long time, you still don't know everything about that person you've been married to. There are days they still surprise you. And if that's true about a finite, limited human, how much more the infinite creator of the universe? So don't think, well, I've been to church my whole life. I know Jesus. Do you? Do you? I've read the Bible. I don't need to read it. Do you? Christ is all that matters. Now, in this new life, it says, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, Filipino, Mexican, American, white, black, brown, green, purple. What matters is Christ. And this should shape the way we see the church. This should shape the way we see the people we work with. This should shape the way we see the people in our, in our realms of influence and, ex and encounters. We're going through the Christian sexuality training, and even in that instance, I'm hoping that the enemy is, not the enemy, well, the enemy's being exposed is what I want to say. I'm praying that the enemy is being exposed, and we're learning to see as Christ sees, to love as Christ loves, and to learn how to live as Christ did, full of grace and truth. And I pray that it's ruffling some of your feathers, and I pray that it's causing you to ask some questions, and I'm praying that it makes you think a little deeper and dig a little deeper and ask, what does Jesus do? How does Jesus respond? What does Jesus say? And if I'm going to be like Jesus, then what do I need to learn? Because it doesn't matter what you are. In Christ, we're all one. In Christ, we're the same. Why? Because apart from Christ, we're all sinners. In case you forgot. Christ is all that matters. Say that. Christ is all that matters. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. Tell your neighbor, this includes you. <laughs> this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, I love that, it's close to but God. Yet now, everybody say, yet now. 
Come on. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. In my Bible, I wrote a big wow. In Christ. See, before Christ, we were separated from God. In fact, the Bible says without Christ, you're an enemy of God. Why? Because our sinful nature is against God's ways. So before Christ, I was separate from him by my evil thoughts, my actions, my life. But because of Christ, I am now brought near. Reconciled means brought near, reconnected, brought together. God in Christ gave a way for you and I who were once far from God to be brought near to God. Once disconnected and separated, but now joined together with Christ in faith. Christ is all. That matters. And I love this because it says that's who you once were. Far from God, his enemies, and separate. But now, but now because of what Christ did, you are reconciled to God. Brought near to God. You are brought into his presence. And it says you are holy, blameless, without a single fault. What an amazing, amazing gift. Romans 5 eight says that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Please don't lose sight of the fact that God is not looking for perfect behavior. You and I will never achieve perfect behavior on this side of heaven. But through the cross of Jesus, he has already made us holy and blameless in his sight. And the power of the blood of Jesus is transforming you and I to become new, to think different, to act different. But it's not by will. It's not by choice. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit alone. And the same power that works in us is the same power available to all. Are we willing to share that same truth to other people who don't believe yet, who don't live, who are separate from God, who are distant from God, who are quote unquote God's enemies? Are we willing to say you don't have to stay that way? I was once his enemy. I was once far from him because of my own way. But through Christ Jesus, I am now one with God. I have relationship with God and he sees me as holy, blameless and without a single fault. Can I tell you why that's so important, church? Because if I focus on that truth, it will actually change the way I see myself. Therefore, it'll change the way I act. Example, you're told your whole life you're stupid. Then what do you do? I'm stupid. You get into something hard. I can't do this. I'm stupid. I I can't go to college. I'm stupid. I I can't accomplish this. I'm stupid. And you keep repeating the lie because you're focusing on what? I'm stupid. And then you, you actually limit what you could accomplish because all you could think is, I'm stupid. But a kid who's told you can do whatever you want, if you work hard, you can accomplish it, they face the same challenges. And instead of going, oh, I can't do this, I'm stupid, they say, I can do this. I can, my parents said I could do what I need to do. They said if I worked hard, I can accomplish it. So I'm not going to give up. I'm going to press through. What's the difference? The mindset. So if you and I actually believe that God sees me, not in my sin, but without fault, if I believe that God sees me as holy and blameless, guess what? That means I'm going to want to stay holy and blameless. That empowers
empowers me to say no to sin. It empowers me to let go of my old nature, my sinful nature, and to embrace the new nature that Christ died to give me. But I got to believe the truth that what Christ did on the cross is enough. It's enough. The work of Jesus Christ is enough. A once for all atonement of sin, the blood of Jesus is enough. Christ is all that matters. Now look at verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news, this good news that's been preached around the world. You must continue to believe this truth. What does that tell you? That the enemy will do everything he can to try to convince you to waver in your faith that what Christ did is enough. He wants you to identify with your sin, to take your sin as a label, to put your sin and own it as shame. I did this, therefore I'm bad. I struggle with this, therefore I am evil. I have this inclination, therefore I am this sin, this label. That's what the enemy wants us to do. But Paul is saying, you must continue to believe the truth that Christ Jesus died on the cross. His body brought you near to, G to God. He brings you into his presence and you are holy, blameless, without fault. So you can say, I still struggle with the sin, but that's not who I am anymore. I don't wear that as a label because I got a new label. My label is not horrible, evil, bad. My label is child of God. My label is clean, spotless, pure, holy, without fault. I've got a new label and I live according to that label. That is a truth for every single one of us who say yes to Jesus Christ. Continue to believe the truth because the enemy will try to get you to let go of the truth that in Christ you are reconciled to God. You are holy, blameless, without fault. And it says not only must you continue to believe the truth, you got to stand firm in it. Life has a way of knocking us around. There are things that happen that cause us to shrimp. God, are you really there? Do you really care? God, what's going on in this? How come you haven't come through? The enemy is so good at trying to get us to doubt God, who he is, what he's done. But we must believe. We must stand firm and not drift. Tell your neighbor, believe, stand firm, don't drift. That's our command, to stay rooted in the truth of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Continue to believe this truth. Stand firm in it and don't drift from the assurance, the hope that you have. Let's keep reading. Skip ahead in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. In him, Christ, in Christ lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. In Christ, everybody say, in Christ. <laughs> All the treasures of wisdom are found in Christ. Can you go back to verse 3? All the treasures of wisdom, all the treasures of knowledge are found in Christ. They're not found in Google. 
They're not found in your textbooks from college. They're not found in your life experiences. They're not found in the most popular ideology on social media. They are found in Christ. The answer you're looking for? Hey, somebody's tracking. The solution you need? Yeah. These questions that we're wrestling with as a church right now, where are we going to find the answers? How to love people that maybe we didn't ever know we would meet? How do we do that? In Christ. He says, I tell you this so that you don't get sidetracked, deceived, misled, deceived through well-crafted arguments. Why? Because the devil is good at making something bad seem right. And we see this in our culture today. The propaganda of the world is they're so good at making it sound so right. But it's not right. So how do we know what is right? In, in Christ. See, Mike, he's got it. That means that as a follower of Christ, I cannot just take what I'm being told, whether from the pulpit or my phone. I need to go to Christ. I need to find the answers in Christ. Because my experiences are mine, but a lot of people have different experiences. So my experience as a basis of my understanding is faulty. Your experience in life is limited. So if you base your whole understanding of Christianity on your experience, you've limited what God is and what he can do. So we can't limit our understanding of life, of God, of Christianity on our experiences alone. Our experiences are important. And I say yes and amen to what Tita Pressy taught. We build our faith through our experience with God. That's the key. With God. Not just my experiences based on my own understanding or what the world has well-crafted arguments intended to take us away from Christ. Do you know that our world, the enemy, I'm talking about the enemy, the world, you know what he wants? To take you from Christ. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. But if you don't, you die. Guess what the enemy wants you to do? Die! This is not a hard one, people. This is not a hard college-level course today. So we got to stay connected in Christ. i got to find all my answers in Christ. Because all that matters is Christ. Let's keep reading in verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, read it, you must continue to follow him. Stop. The choice to believe in Christ is a one-time decision, but the choice to follow him is an everyday decision. A moment-by-moment -moment decision. When you find yourself in situations at work, decision. When you have a disagreement with your spouse, decision. When you're looking at your finances, decision. When you're thinking about your time, decision. I believe in Christ, but it's not enough just to believe in Christ. You must follow Christ. And this means be his disciple. We are called not to just follow Christ, but to be a disciple of Christ. What's the difference? Well, look at the New Testament. Thousands of people followed Christ. Very few were his disciples. 
I'm just going to let that sink in for a moment. Jesus taught and multitudes, thousands upon thousands upon thousands showed up. But how many were actually there in the upper room? 120. Today, thousands and thousands and thousands of people respond and say, yeah, I want to believe in Christ. But how many actually follow Christ? Why do I say that? Because you and I have to make a decision. It's not enough to believe in Christ. I must live for Christ. I must follow Christ. I got to be his disciple. It's not enough just to say, oh yeah, I want to be saved. It's more than salvation. It's discipleship. And so, as you've accepted Christ Jesus, that salvation, now you must continue to follow him. Follow him. Learn from him. Watch him. Listen to him. Spend time with him. Because the 120 that were in the upper room, they were the ones who lived with him, walked with him, talked with him, spent time with him. They're the ones that made it through the crucifixion. They're the ones that made it until the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out. It's not enough just to go to church once a week and never think about Jesus anymore. You must follow Christ every day. Christ is all that matters. Spend time with Christ. Talk to Christ. Study Christ. Listen from Christ. Learn from Christ. That's what it means to follow him. Jesus said, if any of you want to follow me, you must first deny yourself. Pick up your cross and then follow me. Following Christ means I die to my old ways. I die to my wants, my passions, my desires, my inclination. And I choose to live in a way that Christ tells me to live. Even if I don't like it, even if I don't understand it, I choose Christ. Christ is all that matters. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. We sang that. Rain came, wind blew, my house is built on you. We must build our life on Christ. When it talks about having your roots grow into him, how do roots grow? What do they need? Water, food, love. I like that. If you, you must be a real gardener if you're talking about loving your plants. But there is a scripture in Ephesians that says, let your roots grow in God's love. So you're right in there. Roots have to be nourished, right? Through the water of the word, through the, through the nourishment of the word and the Holy Spirit. Let your roots, that means that I've got to drink from God. I've got to receive from Christ. I've got to always feed myself with the word of Christ. Build my life on Christ. You don't build your life on your 401k. You don't build your life on your career goals. You don't build your life even on your marriage. You build your life on Christ. The only thing that will never fade is Christ. The only thing that will never fail is Christ. The only thing that will never change is Christ. Everything else in this world can and will change. But Christ never fails. So don't let, verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. There you go. That's where it comes from. A lot of your social media feed. I'm just saying. Don't let anyone capture you with these rather than Christ. 
So there is a fight for your belief system, the world and Christ. And let's be honest, we all have a mixture. Yeah? Hello, hello? We got a little mix-mix of worldly thinking and correct Christ thinking. And the goal of us as Christians is to continue to correct our worldly thinking and make them obedient to Christ. You and I can never stop learning about Christ. We cannot afford to get lazy in our walk with Christ. Why? Because there is a battle for what we believe, and we take in a lot. Let's be honest. We take in a lot that's not always necessarily Christ. And the enemy's really good. He says, well, I can't stop you from serving Christ, but I can distract you. I can make you think you don't have time to pray. I can make you think that you're too busy to spend time in the Word. I can, I can have you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to open my Bible on my phone and read it. And then all your Instagram notifications come in. And two hours later, you've been on Instagram and then you forgot to read your Bible. He's really good at these things. <laughs> and this is not to condemn anybody. This is just to expose how the enemy does what he does. Don't be misled. Don't be captured. Don't get enamored with what the world is saying. Stay in Christ. Stay in Christ, for in Christ, verse 9, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also, come on, read this, you also are complete through your union with Christ. Your spouse does not complete you. Ah, they complete me. No, you are complete in Christ, even if you're single. We are not incomplete because we're single. I am complete in my union with Christ. The world will say you're not complete unless you own such a house or you drive such a car or you achieve such a thing at work. No, our completion is in Christ. But you know what happens when we look to everything else to fulfill me, to complete me? It drives me away from Christ. All that matters is Christ. Tell your neighbor again, all that matters is Christ. I hope you're getting this. This is good stuff. Verse 11. When you came to Christ, you were quote unquote circumcised. Not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried. Read it. With Christ. When you were baptized and with Christ, you were raised to new life because you trusted the power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He forgave all our sins. He took everything that we've done and he nailed it to the cross. He doesn't see your sins. He sees you as his son, his daughter, his beloved, his prized, his chosen one. Holy, blameless, without fault. Aren't you glad that he doesn't label you according to your sins? 
but he labels you according to Christ Jesus. So let's be careful not to label people with their sins and let's see them the way Christ sees them. Because one sin is the same as all sins. I don't care what you think, that's truth. The Bible says you break one, you break them all. Lying and murder. He was talking about the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not commit murder. In God's eyes, lying is the same as murder. Oh, but we like to say, well, I don't do that, so therefore, no, 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 no. Stop that. That's nonsense. That's, that's just devil nonsense. Jesus said, who do you think God heard? The Pharisee who stood before him and said, look at me, God, I tithe, I pray, I do everything I should do, and thank God I'm not like that wretched sinner over there. And then here's the sinner, the tax collector, who's on his knees beating his chest. God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. Which one did God respond to? The tax collector, the evil, horrible tax collector. You, can, I, I, you have to understand, in Bible terms, tax collector was the worst person you could be. So put that in today's culture. Whatever you think the worst person can be, that's who the tax collector was. And what did Jesus say? Who did God respond to? The pious religious person? Look at me, I'm so good. I did what I was supposed to do. Or the one who understood that apart from God, he's got nothing. Only Christ matters, and I need the mercy and grace of God because I'm no better than anybody else. What if you and I live like that, huh? What if we live the reality of Christ? What if we stop labeling ourselves and labeling other people according to what they do and what they say, but according to who Christ says about them? Even the ones that are not yet saved. But you know Jesus had a way of looking into the person beyond their actions? The woman at the well... He engaged her. He went out of his way to meet with her, the her that nobody else in town wanted to hang out with. The her that had five failed marriages and living with a man who wasn't her husband, that her. Jesus revealed himself for the first time as Christ to her. So who are we to judge who God can reach and who God can't? And who are we to say what God can do and what God cannot do? I'm not saying that you're doing that, but I'm just trying to put it out there because we're having some conversations in our Bible studies and we've got to let the Holy Spirit pull back religious spirits. We've got to let the Holy Spirit show us biases. We've got to let the Holy Spirit say, this is how Christ would do it. Let's live like Christ. Let's love like Christ. And I'm telling you, I've said it before, but I'll tell you again, the next Jesus revolution will be among the LBGTQ population. They're going to know that they can't find what they're looking for, and they're going to start looking for Jesus. And I promise you, as the pastor of this church, we will welcome them all, and we will love them all, and we will pray for them, we will show them Christ, but we'll let the Holy Spirit be the one who works a change in them. Because I don't know about you, when I got saved, I wasn't perfect all of a sudden. And I know some of you, and I know you ain't perfect all the time. And you guys know me too, so hey. So let's be very careful. Christ is all that matters. I want to keep reading. We're getting there. Don't worry, we're getting there. I told you I wanted to read the whole book, but we're not going to. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is in Christ. Hmm. 
Just let that sink in. Your real life is not the degree and the number of letters you have following your name. Don Beard, RN, BSN, ordained reverend of the Assemblies of God. That's not my real life. Your real life is hidden in Christ. Holy Spirit, preach that in Jesus' name. Verse 5, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiper of the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. When do we strip off the old? When we come to Christ. So don't expect non-believers to live a certain way when they haven't even come to Christ in faith yet. See, the model of our church is belong, believe, become. What does that mean? That anybody can come and belong before they believe. And Jesus was like that all the time. You know, he called Thomas to be his disciple. Thomas walked with him for three years. And then when Jesus was raised from the dead, Thomas was like, I don't believe it. I got to see it first. Not until I put my hands in his hands, in his side, will I believe that Jesus is alive. And I love Jesus because then he showed up on purpose just for Thomas. And he said, Thomas, go ahead. Put your hand in the nail holes. Check it out. But Jesus knew that Thomas would doubt him. And Jesus still let him follow him, belong, be part of his group. He called Matthew to follow him before Matthew chose to believe in him. Matthew was a tax collector. Anyone can belong. And in my heart's desire as a church, that because we're becoming like Christ, because we're putting off the old and we're putting on the new, because we're choosing to live a new way according to the new nature that we have because of our faith in Christ, that they'll see that and want it. And they'll see the love of Christ in us. And they'll see the peace and the joy and the kindness and the gentleness. And because of that, they'll want to believe in Christ. And then once they believe in Christ, then starts the slow discipleship of transformation. You want to know how slow it is? Look at your own life. I'm moving on. Verse 10, put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's the believe and the become. Know your creator, become like him. Because Christ is all that matters. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Okay, make notes right here. Tender-hearted mercy, that's compassion. Am I compassionate? Am I kind? Am I humble? Am I gentle? Am I patient? Am I making allowance for one another's faults? Am I forgiving as God forgave me? Above all, verse 14, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Are we living this way, both in home, at work, and in church? Am I becoming more tenderhearted? Am I showing more mercy? Am I loving like Christ loves? Am I kind? You want to know what God wants you to do? Be kind. Be nice. I'm going to give you a secret. You want to know what you can do as a Christian? Smile more. Don't make this so hard. 
What if we're just kind and friendly? What if we're friends with everybody? Everybody at work. Come on, I worked in the hospital. Everybody. There's a lot of personalities. <laughs> what if we're friends with everybody? What if we treat everybody with respect and dignity? What if I show kindness? What if I work hard and I'm a good worker and they see that, that I'm a person of integrity? What if, what, if I, what if we live like Christ? Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. Let the message about Christ, verse 16, and all its richness fill your lives. What message should fill our lives? Yes. Again, this is not college level stuff. What message should fill your life? Now I'm going to let you ask the Holy Spirit what message really fills your life. Let the message of Christ fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Verse 17, I want you to read it. And whatever you do, I don't hear you. Go to the next verse, verse 17. Hold on. Now I know who brought their Bible and who's in their app and who's not. Verse 17. Well, it's all right. I'll read it. If you're in your Bible, read it. If you have your Bible app open, verse 17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it. As a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So who do I live as a representative of? You're getting it. So whatever I say, I should, look, I should sound like? Whatever I do, I should look like? That's my call as a disciple of Christ. Whatever you say or do at work, at home, in private, in public... You are representing Christ for better or for worse. You're representing Christ. If they know you're a Christian, you're representing Christ for better or for worse. Please represent Christ well. And how are you going to represent Christ well? Hang out with Christ. Spend time with Christ. Read about Christ. Study about Christ. Let Christ do a work in you. Because other than that, you and I cannot do it. You put off the old ways. You put on the new ways. And we're going to close with this scripture. Colossians 4. Two through six. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Guys, pray that God would give you boldness to live the message of Christ clearly. And when you have a question, you can answer them clearly. This isn't just praying for Paul. This is praying for all of us. That I would live the message of Christ clearly, boldly. Verse 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Verse 6. Let your conversation... Be gracious and attractive, full of salt, so that you will have the right response for everyone. Christian sexuality, body of Christ, loving like Christ loves. What does this say? Live wisely. 
pray a lot. How do we as a church model Christ in the culture we're living in, the culture your kids are growing up in, the culture your kids are trying to wrestle with between what is right and what is wrong? How do we live? We live wisely. We live as Christ, as representatives of Christ. And then what does it say? Be ready. When they ask you, be ready to answer with grace. How many of you like grace? Some of you are honest. I don't know why you're all not raising your hands. But by faith, we've been saved by grace. I think we all love grace. So if we're so grateful for grace, then we need to be quick to show grace. And full of salt. Now, salt is not like rub the salt in the wound. Salt is about the taste of God. See, our conversations at work, our conversations with our friends, our families, our conversation with our kids need to be full of grace and full of salt. The kind of salt that makes people want God, thirst for God. The kind of salt that makes God taste good, so to speak. And guess what? You and I are the flavor of God in this world. Why do I know that? Because Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Christ is all that matters. That's my heart for us. That's my heart for myself. That I would really live in a way that models and that lives with the truth that Christ is all that matters. Father, we thank you that in Christ you have forgiven us. That you have taken our sins and you nailed them to the cross. You've taken the labels that have been put on us, the labels the enemy has tried to give us, the labels that are related to what we've done in our past. You've taken those labels and you've nailed them to the cross. And you have disarmed the spiritual authorities in our lives. We thank you that you don't see us according to our sin, but according to your son and his perfect righteousness. God, we thank you that in Christ we have all that we need. That in Christ lie the treasures and wisdoms of heaven. That in Christ Christ, that's where our real life is. And I ask and pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to live the truth that Christ is all that matters. I ask that you would help us to stand firm in the truth of Christ, that you would help us to build our lives on the foundation of Christ, that you would empower us to live as representatives of Christ. We need more time with you, Christ. We need more attention towards you, more thoughts towards you, more time with you. We want to make that commitment and we want to declare today, Christ is all that matters. I want to give you that opportunity in our closing moments today to say, you know what? I want to make that continual choice to say Christ is all that matters. That I want to know Christ more. I want to make that decision to follow Christ, to be built on Christ. And if that's you, I, I want you to raise your hands, not for me, but between you and Jesus. Say, God, I want more of you. Christ is all that matters. Help us to live with the revelation that Christ, you are all that matters. Your death on the cross, your resurrection has paid for our sins. You have given us new life and a new nature. We want to live with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let our lives be filled to the fullness of the message of Jesus Christ. May we live according to the power of Jesus Christ. For it is not us, but it is all Jesus.
For we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So we build our lives on Jesus Christ. We choose to follow Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.